episode 87 of Story Mode, a video game podcast, the official podcast of StoryModeGaming.com. I am your host, Jesse Monster Monroe, and I am joined tonight by Keelan Killer Simpson. Hey! Sliman Simon Evans! <laughs> And Lawn of the Dead McLean. Lawn of the good Dead. Name. How are we I doing? Like that. I like That's that a really good name. Slime and That was really good, wasn't <laughs> it? And kind of shadowed by the fact that we were giggling about <laughs> some very immature content. Unrelated. Oh. Unrelated to this. God, unrelated. Some Thank stuff. God. What uh, is if you want it? to know why we're laughing, you can join us pre-show, not post-show, pre-show, pre-cum show. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yes, I got the joke in. Um... At twitch.tv forward slash story mode AUS. Guesses as to what we were talking about. Mm, Spider Man. <laughs> and the adventures with. Look, to be fair, there is a surprisingly large, like high frequency with how often we talk about Spider Man in the pre show. Look, Spider Man. We. Keelan and I talk about Spider Man too very often at work. I want to get to the point where we can do a like Discord watch, watch along to Spider Man 2. Yeah. Talk about Macy Gray. I, mean, I know she's in Spider Man One, but I, I was going to say like she should have been Spider Man Two as well. Continue that that, that career. That's like a one yeah. thing she has done basically. <laughs> Beautiful. Exactly, guys. It was Halloween yesterday. I don't know when when you're listening to this on your on your on your in your headphones and your earplugs. I don't know what date it will be, so this doesn't really matter. But for us, it was Halloween yesterday. How did you guys? What, I'm not going to ask you what you do for Halloween. I want to know your thoughts on Halloween. Because I know in Australia, a lot of people are like, ugh, it's American. Ugh. Well, for one, shut up. It's not. But anyway, <laughs> I digress. What do you think of All Hallows' Eve? Who are you asking first? Just this is the room. I Tell me your thoughts on Samhain. I personally am a big fan of it. Growing up in the UK, for me, it always sort of signaled the end of summer. And... Where I used to live in the UK as a kid, um, we had like a, a nice little village, and so everyone knew everyone already. So it was it was super safe. And going out trick or treating was just fun. It was just a good time, and I I really like it. Like it was always when like the like night nights would start sooner. Like the daylight would go at like five o'clock at the very latest, and you're like, oh, it's gonna be winter soon, and I like that. I really like that that sort of time of year i like that a lot time of year see i remember i think 10 years ago i'm gonna say 10 years ago because i know where i was oh yeah 10 years ago because i knew where i was living i remember it being halloween like because i was at a supermarket and stuff i'd always be like it's so dumb you know kids would knock on the door and you just ignore them you'd be like oh oh it's so dumb so stupid blah blah but now i'm like i want it to be more of a thing like driving Driving around town here, there's so many houses from like here to the supermarket, which is basically the only place I go, um, that had like built up their front yards to be all Halloween themed and stuff. And I was like, sick, this is really cool. But then like after that, you just see a bunch of kids walking around with like little bags that are obviously empty or very close to empty. And it's just like, oh, you're tr- like, you're really trying. Like it's going to become a thing. And I reckon like in 10 years when like, you know, uh, people – our age have their own kids and they're like 10 or 12 years old or whatever, you know, like I think it's going to be a much bigger thing. Yeah. Than- yeah. yeah. I think we're just like a generation away from it being a big, a big deal. Keelan, kid knocks on your door. Keelan, what are you doing? Look, this is the thing. 
I like the concept of Halloween, but I specifically moved into a dangerous neighborhood so that people wouldn't bother me. Okay, Jesse, you've seen the kind of characters that hang around my neighborhood. <laughs> you. People in trench what? coats, okay? All of us are bald. Yeah. It's fucked. Now, kids don't bother me, and I'm happy with that. Um, I did, however, see across the road in the nicer part of town, a lot of people doing half-assed Halloween decorations. You know, they've got that, that shitty Something. stuff that looks like like uh, spider webs. Like, Stevie like in the morning, yep. It's just yeah. whipped all over the all, all the trees outside on the nature strip. You know, I, I want people to put massive displays on their on their properties. I want to see like big, you know, extravagant things like they do for Christmas as well. I want it to be on that level. I'd love that because then I'd just walk around the neighborhood and go look at that shit. It's so cool. You bring up another good point. So, okay, maybe this is me being. I, I don't. I don't get into Christmas. I'm not. I'm a bit, bit of a Grinch. But something bummed me out being a bit of a bit of bit of a lefty. Um, either hey, how much power the the Christmas lights use up? People have them on like all night. Mm. It's like, well, who's that for? However, with Halloween, I find it a lot, things are a lot more practical. Like you put webs up, you put a, a spooky glow on the dark skeleton, like we have. Um, it doesn't waste power. I don't know. Halloween just has a friendlier vibe to it. It doesn't feel commercialized yet. I, I, I don't understand the thing of like, it's American. Yeah, cool. So are most things. Shut the fuck up. Also, <laughs> like, I, I want to point Christmas out. Christmas isn't Australian. <laughs> no. And that's that's actually what I want to point out is the fact like by saying, oh, but it's American. But the way Christmas tends to be celebrated over here is very Americanized. With yeah. like the ridiculous amounts of lights and, you know, ornaments and whatever people put out in their gardens. I think it's personally a little bit excessive and yeah like, like you see houses like fake snow it's like well yeah. when you think of snowing at christmas you think of america so anyway look just celebrate the holidays dress up as you know a ghost a ghoul a goblin uh a, a spirit do whatever you have to do just do it and, and you know what dress up as you dress up as your favorite monster every day unleash the beast i say i don't know <laughs> we got weird energy tonight. Yeah. You guys all know that. <laughs> I, I almost got attacked by a goose today. Maybe that's that, okay? I moved house and there's a goose that lives in me. And it honked at me. I don't know if it was a friendly honk or, a, you know. If you've played an untitled, an untitled goose game, goose honk, game you know for a fact no honk is a friendly honk. I'm a little no. shitty loser kid with glasses. He's going to chase me into a phone booth. Yep. You're going to get stuck in there. Yeah. Yep. Bloody that's idiot. But speaking of things that shouldn't be scary that it yet managed to be terrifying, that's our topic for the day. We want to talk about a few games. Look, we've discussed our, our scariest moments in games, blah, blah, blah. I want to talk about spooky moments in games that aren't meant to be spooky. Because these are the ones that just surprise you. If I sit down with a Silent Hill, a Resident Evil, blah, 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 you know there's going to be spooks abound. But there are some games that you put in you sit down with them and you don't expect that. You expect to have a rollicking good time. Instead, a little bit of pee comes out. So I want to discuss them. And you know what? I'm going to go first. Um, with, I think this is, de- this, is, this is definitely more spooky than scary. It's unsettling. Mm. And I remember playing this when I was younger and being like, whew, that's, uh, that's heavy. Have any of you guys played Metal Gear Solid Snake Eater? Metal Gear Solid 3? No. Okay. 
not just a funny name for a game, also arguably the best Metal Gear Solid game there is, and to me, one of the best games ever made. I adored Metal Gear Solid Snake Eater. I remember renting some video easy multiple times and playing the demo on the um, official PlayStation Magazine demo disc that I got hundreds of times. So I, when I finally got to that level with the bridge and the beehive, whew, I absolutely wrecked it. But at one point in the game, you're captured by Volgan, the, the villain of the game, um, in Groslygrad. And Snake escapes via the sewers and into a river, which catches fire. Okay, So suddenly you have this mangrove that's growing over this river in flames. Up to this point, this game has been sort of stealth, action, espionage, you know, normal Metal Gear Solid fare. And this just feels a little bit out of the ordinary. In retrospective, actually, you can almost see Kojima's mind going into Death Stranding here. There's an element of Death Stranding in this. So anyway, Mangrove's on fire, you get up, and you start walking. It's trudging along, you go a lot slower than you usually do. Eventually, rain comes over, fire is extinguished, obviously there's a layer of smoke, and just everything seems very grim and grey and dead. And that's the point where you hear a voice that says, sad, so sad, a host of sorrows. And a hooded figure appears. Now, up to this point in the game, you've defeated a bunch of very cleverly named uh, bosses. You had the pain, who's covered in bees, the fear, the fury, and uh, the end, which I think if... if if anyone's ever played Mega Solid Snake Eater, the end, one of the greatest boss battles of all time. It's just you, an old man with a sniper rifle. It's amazing. But then you get to this new character, and he says, I am the sorrow. He goes on and says, like you, I too am filled with sadness. The world is full of sadness. Battle brings death. Death brings sorrow. The living may not hear them. Their voices may fall upon deaf ears, but make no mistake, the dead are not silent. So this game gets suddenly creepy and oddly supernatural. Okay, and again, the bosses you fought before, like I said, the pain's covered in bees. It's supernatural, but it doesn't feel this supernatural. Mm. Uh, it, it feels weird more than anything else, but this is like, okay. Anyway, Sarah looks at you, his eyes fill with blood, starts nice. dripping out, and then he disappears. At this point, I'm pissing my pants. I don't know what's going to happen. And he starts trudging forward. Okay, still everything's covered in smoke. Everything's grey and it's raining and miserable. Eventually he reappears and he starts taunting you. Now you, start, you try to shoot him, as you do. And nothing happens. You look at his health gauge at the bottom of the screen and it's empty. He's, he's dead. As you keep walking, ghosts start walking towards you. And they are screaming, they're crying, they're pleading. They're reaching out to grab you. Thing is, these are all the characters you've killed so far. See, if you've done the full stealth run to this point, only the characters that you had to kill for the, for the story to go ahead will be there. But if, like me, every time you get caught, you decide to murder everyone, there are a lot. And when I'm a teenager playing this game for the first time, I did not expect the, the floor to drop out like this. And it's a confronting moment. Like, Jeez. you see people are shot to pieces. Yeah. People have their throats slit. It, it's intense keep walking the sorrow starts launching these psychic blasts at you which is a bit weird um and i remember playing this when i was younger and you just keep going and I, you know i'm avoiding the attacks i'm like okay what do i do i'm out of ammo at this point like 
there's nothing else it can do. So eventually you die. Um, there's a few different ways to die, but the most common one would be you're hit enough by the psychic blast and you die. Game over screen comes up as the snake is dead. You can press continue, you can start again. Or in typical Kojima weird head fuckery fashion, you can open your inventory. You select the revival pill. Now you've had a revival pill for the whole game. It's got unlimited uses at the counter to the fake death pill, which you can use to trick enemies and, and certain bosses and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, the revival pill. You wake up, snake washes up on the riverbank, coughs up all this water, and everything's okay again. You hear birds singing. You've come back. You've defeated this boss that you never were able to harm. Um, now, Kojima mentions... Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna butcher the pronunciation. Sanzu no Kawa, the river of three paths, paths, which is a river from a Japanese myth um, that the deceased had to cross to reach the next world, uh, kind of like the river sticks in Greek mythology. Playing this as a kid, when I thought I was just gonna have some cool action spy espionage go around, choke everyone out. At this point in this game, you know, I've been throwing porno magazines at, at enemies to get them distracted. Later on the <laughs> on the game, you're grabbing people's junk to see who they are. It's, it's, a, it's a... What? It's a different game. It's a very good game. <laughs> this just stands out to me. And it's just... It was haunting. And I remember, like... It stuck with me for a really long time because then suddenly every person you killed in the game, you're like, oh... Should I be doing that? It's kind of like, just to bring up a very, very strange comparison. You know that part in um, Austin Powers when the guy gets squashed by the uh, yeah by the steamroller? And then it crosses over and you see his family? Oh, God. I was having that moment every time I killed him. I'm like, no, there's consequences here. Like, these people are people. These are the ones who are screaming at me, a ghost. It just hit me at the right time when I was a teenager, and it came from left field. And I've never been as confused as I've been in a game. That's... Um, trying to work out how the fuck do i beat this that's such a unique way to like yeah show that message that's incredible it, it was haunting and like i said like look not particularly scary well probably the scariest moment of the game but just spooky and eerie and just gets into your fucking soul yeah. kojima style but yeah looking back on it I, i'm realizing there's so many parallels between that and Stuff you see in Death Stranding. There's a lot of links that I'm only just kind of thinking of. Jesse, I feel like that is the kind of thing that you take with you into like other games as well. Like the way you think about it, the way you are interacting with the characters, the the main verb that you're doing. If it's killing, then you're like, hmm. And look, other games have tried to do you know similar things. I think the one that comes to my mind is Far Cry Five. I won't get into it because one of the cool. It's probably the best part of the game. Um. But it teaches you about like this, the repetitiveness of what you're doing and sort of the how like empty your brain is while you're just killing and mowing down people. It just doesn't do it in the same way. This It just stuck with me. Mm. And I, I'm like picturing in my head and just when he comes out, he's like eyes are bleeding and stuff. I'm like, okay, can I, can I shoot you? There's one thing <laughs> Kojima does well. It's visual imagery. That dude is a master. He is. He is. Yeah, that was my my spooky get uh, you know spooky time in a non spooky game. Uh, who's next? Uh, Lawn. What do you got? Uh, 
I gave you a spook then. See? Weird. Oh my gosh. Um, <laughs> so mine is more. Uh, mine is more a little bit of a spooky time from uh, my early experiences with video games. So um, back in the day, back in the old day, I, I I always forget that I had a Nintendo before I had a PlayStation. Um, but my, the games I was playing on the Nintendo were just like Mario and all that kind of stuff. You know, Mario, Pokemon Stadium. Every time I've been thinking about games coming up, I remember little things that, that scared me. Like I remember the um in Banjo Kazooie, the I don't remember his name, but he's he's creepy looking. Even just like the masks from like Crash Bandicoot and all that, like just Yes, just, um the Uku Uku mask was always yeah, unsettling to me. You know, just yeah. like creepy imagery, all that kind of stuff I keep thinking about. But like the one of the experiences that really spooked me was like um when I first got PlayStation 2. We got it for Christmas, me and my my older brother, and we got it with uh, Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 4, which came with the PlayStation, um, and also uh, Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. And, like, that was my game. Like, mum bought that for me because, you know, I always loved Harry Potter and all that stuff um, growing up. And then, you know, the Tony Hawk game was my brother. And, like, little did she know that he doesn't like playing games and I love Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 4. So, uh, like, that was the majority of my my uh, my gameplay was was uh, Tony Hawk. And so when I flipped across to Harry Potter eventually, um, I wasn't ready for that kind of, I guess, that kind of video game. Um, just that, that style of video game and just the, like, just how it works, basically. Um, coming from, I know, like, Mario is definitely, well, Mario 64 was kind of an open-ish world kind of... Uh, you know, platforming game, but I don't know. This was different. Um, and think, it had kind sorry, of, oh, sorry. Go the on. Harry Potter game. Mm. What I, what I thought of, because you read the books, so you were seeing that world come to life. I think it was the first mm. real. See, I didn't sort read. I watched. Port from another medium. You didn't read them. No, I'd never read the books. I've never read them. I've only ever watched the movies. Oh, yeah, that's so cool. I have them all in my cupboard. <laughs> you <laughs> should you like? read them. <laughs> I'll, I'll put them out, put it out there. Mm. Even before she came out, be piece of shit. JK, not you, Lauren. You're I was going to say, <laughs> um, what have I done? <laughs> um, I think they're poorly written. I well, that's the thing, actually. There. That's a good point. I remember in year seven, we had to read Philosopher's Stone. And I remember sitting there going, like, and or, like in year seven, what? I think the first two or three movies had come out at that point. And I was just like, this is so, this is awful. Like, <laughs> What are we doing reading this? I don't even want to read it. Like, oh, why do I want to continue? You're rooting See, for the wrong characters. She pulls a plot out of her hat, literally, at one point. Uh, yes. Um, look, I would argue that as the books go on, the writing does get a fair bit better. I think number three is probably where it starts to stop being kind of Agreed. shit. But, but Three's good. I do understand and appreciate any reservations people might have towards the Harry Potter franchise these days because JK is these a piece days. of shit. Yes. And sorry. <laughs> Side note. I was yes. in Cole's shopping center, like the, the supermarket on Friday. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. And there's <laughs> there's a thing that some of us may be familiar with. Cole's radio. Oh, I know Cole's radio. Don't get Cole, me started on Cole's radio. On Cole's radio, they played the entire Harry Potter movie theme song. The entire yeah. song, like the whole thing. It went on for like seven minutes. Like I once the got whole a, um, thing. 
Why? I once got a song taken off the radio, the Coles radio, by giving them some feedback. <laughs> Good song. <laughs> huh? What'd you say? What song? What, what song was it? So it was Christmas time, right? And I, w- I worked at Coles for 12 years and it was awful time. Never do it. And I was... I opened the, the the store, so I was, like, putting newspapers out and stuff. It's Christmas time. They were like, oh, let's play Christmas music. They played I Won't Be Home for Christmas by Blink-182. And I was like, this song is about assault and then rape <laughs> in the in jail. And it was like the, the lyrics to it are just Yikes. like, like well, you know, um, if you haven't heard the song, go listen to it. It's a joke song. It's meant to be a joke song. But it's like people coming to his age, door to wish him, wish him happy Christmas and he, he assaults them because he hates Christmas and then he goes to jail and then his uh, his cellmate bends him over, you know? That's what it is. And it's like, get me out of jail. And I remember like tweeting or something and just being like, I'm okay with it. However. However. <laughs> and then they replied and they were like, thank you so much. We will take this off. And I was like, no, 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 I didn't want that. <laughs> Keep it nah. on there. Let's go too far. Let's go too far. Let's just have an age restriction coming into the store. Let's check. Let's check IDs when, when they walk in. Yeah, let's now, do that. Let's, look, now you've inextricably linked that with Harry Potter for me. So Wonderful. done. I'm done. You're welcome. Yeah, sorry. Back, back to Harry Potter. The game. The game. Yes, no, sorry, the game. Yes, yes, yes. Um. So, uh, it was an experience for me. Um. I I really enjoyed it. I love. I love the. The mystical parts of it, I love the uh, throwing the throwing the what are they the little goblins in the backyard and all that kind of stuff. But something that really freaks me out. No, it wasn't the mandrakes. That's a, that's a, this is see watching the movies right. I'm like, I'm expecting this scene to come up, and then you have this scene where you go at, right at the start where you you start off at the Weasleys' house after the cars like driven to the whatever. Um, and you've got to throw the the little goblin gnomey things like over yeah. the fence or whatever. And I was like, this wasn't in the movie. Oh my god. <laughs> anyway, all that aside, um, once you 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 play the game, you go into the Harry Potter world, um, go into the school, go into Hogwarts. There are certain times where you have to sneak out of your um, house, your little common room, sorry, and get into different parts of the of the school, um, including like going outside on. Um, at nighttime and, and trying to, you know, get to certain parts of the, of the, of the grounds. So something that happens in that time is you have prefects that are wandering the grounds, um, and they're wandering the halls and they're trying to, you know, get everyone back in their common rooms. And something for me that I hadn't experienced yet was the anxiety inducing, like, where the hell are these prefects? I can hear their footsteps. They are somewhere around the school um, or they're somewhere around the halls. So you as Harry are like, you know, sneaking through the bookcases, like you're looking around the corners and all that. And you'd be like, okay, I think I'm safe. And you step out and all of a sudden a prefect is there. And for some reason, I'm going to stand back from the microphone. For some reason, <laughs> the, um, the people who've developed this game have decided that when pre- prefects see you, they go, there you are, like really loudly, and they go whoosh with their with their wand and they stun you. And you, Harry Potter stands back flailing his arms like because he's been <laughs> stupefied or whatever. And the music just turns into this like, just like, oh, triumphant isn't the word. But you know what I'm trying to say? Like just loud, just like 
just like orchestral, just like you fucked up, <laughs> like you got caught. <laughs> all, the, all, all the orchestral music that says you, you fucked, fucked up. up. That's basically it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just like an opera in the background. Um, but it was just like going around a corner and then just having some of and then just like shocking you, Harry's it, arms going around. And uh, the arms going around was a big part. Eyes going round, things going round, <laughs> terrifies. Thomas the Tank Engine couldn't watch it. Could not. If we were talking about TV shows, it freaks us out, man. Hate them. Woof. Can't look at a clock face too long. Get dizzy. Helicopters freak me out. caught you. Yes. Did the camera really quickly swap to the to a different angle? Because that always gives me a bit of a jolt in yeah. games. Like you know, you play Skyrim and a ca- you get caught and the camera just flips and you. You haven't done anything. The camera flips to to focus on them. It's like, ah, oh, okay. I'm, I'm <laughs> like when the here. courier finds you, your eyes open. Yeah. Oh my god! Yeah, it fucking zooms in. He's like actually Ooh. he's actually given me a jump scare once or twice in the past, where That's I've been like, is it like that where it focuses in on them, or is it just sort of like in the moment? I think it's just like in the moment, from what I remember. It, it's just it's one of those things that I think just I hadn't experienced those kind of games before. I hadn't experienced that kind of stuff, and like. Me being what? Jesus, how old would I have been? Um, when did the PlayStation come out? PlayStation 2. 2000? A while ago. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, I would have been probably 10, 10 or 11. 10? Just like, yeah, yeah not, not having played those kind of games before and having this, especially at nighttime. Uh, so because like, you know, the dark spooky themes of the, of the Hogwarts grounds and all the fog and all this kind of stuff, just like thinking you're safe and then hearing halt or like stop there or whatever and then the music just being like and just like harry's arms <laughs> flailing around <laughs> arms. that's stressful arms. shit yeah, it's stress it was just stressful it was just so stressful and i just remember like yeah back in the day just being like hating hating it i remember i think as well when i had to play um when i played that game when i had to go to the in through the grounds at night i would play it during the day because i would be like a little too spooked, you know. There were ghosts going around. There were um, wolves. I don't know why there were wolves. There was something. Yeah, I don't know. But it was, it was a time, and that was a spooky right. little time for little old me. Because I, I stayed away from spooky games. I stayed away from anything that was creepy. And even like people said that what was like the, the big dinosaur in in Mario sixty four, the one in the lake. Apparently that scared people. The underground lake or whatever that they had to change the, uh, they had to change what it looks like in the new um. Make it friendlier. Yeah, they made it look like nice and friendly because a lot of people got scared of that. That's fine. That didn't scare me. Chain (laughs) Chomp kind of scared me a little bit in the first level, but that's fine. But yeah, Yeah. no. The the sort of ramifications of the Chain Chomp, when you think about it too much, they're terrifying. Yeah, horrifying. Yeah. Yeah. All right, speaking of more horrifying moments, Hmm? uh, and let's stick with Nintendo. Simon. All right, my, uh, my top pick for this theme was a little-known game called uh, Legend of Zelda Ocarina Wait, of Time. Wait, what? You like Zelda? I know, right? What? It's something what I, I tried to not brag about too much, but yeah, I, I kind of enjoyed it. He says, well, wearing a Zelda t-shirt. And Zelda. with my Zelda tattoo and <laughs> my ridiculous amount of Zelda merchandise up there. <laughs> um, Absolute shill. Absolute shill. <laughs> Look, I have like three franchises I will just give my money to. One of them Zelda, the other one's Monster Hunter, and the third one kind of flips. Anyway, back to the topic. Alright. Sorry. Anyone who's played through Ocarina of Time in its entirety will know which part of the game I'm talking about because it is, it's just 
completely unprecedented. Zelda games are normally kind of whimsical and, you know, as the story progresses, it gets a little bit more serious and a little bit slightly more heavy handed in terms of like the expectations that are laid upon you as Link. You know, it goes from, oh, I'm going to go off on an adventure to you have to save the world because Ganon will literally kill everyone. Yeah, I mean, like, like, like. You're a little elf boy, yeah. and then you have to fight some sort of pig dad. Yeah, pretty it's much. Like, it's got more purple than it was before. <laughs> and there's a few creepy moments in Ocarina of Time before this part of the story. Like um, when you first transition into Adult Link, and you leave the Temple of Time, and everything looks me. dark, and it's you're like, oh, mm-hmm. this is weird. And you go out into Castle Town, and you expect it to be full of life, like it was before, but no, there are re-deads everywhere, and re-deads scream at you, and that scream literally gave me nightmares as a child, and it still freaks me the fuck out now. But then, you know what? Good old Daddy Nintendo were like, ah, that's not enough trauma for you kids. Get ready for this shit. After you complete the Water Temple, you go to Kakariko Village, and you see this monster burst out from underneath the well. It knocks you unconscious, and Sheik tells you, it's too late, it's already escaped. And you go, that's fine, I can time travel. So you go back in time, and you go underneath the well. And it is fucking creepy. There are torture devices, there are pitfall traps, there are, like in the original version, just puddles of blood on the floor. There's skulls flying around the room, and the most horrifying part of the whole thing is that at the end of this entire little labyrinth, like this mini dungeon, you go into a room and it is just skulls and bones on the floor and there's a hand coming out from the ground and you're like, I can't go back out the door. The door's locked behind me. What do I do? So you get closer to the hand to see what's going to happen and then it grabs you on the top of your small head and you're like ah I'm freaking out panicking and then all of a sudden this fucking creature digs itself out from underground and it is just this horrible humanoid like bloated blotchy mess of just it's very bloodborne pre-bloodborne kind of yeah that's right and the thing is the worst part is that you have to be caught by these hands to actually trigger the boss attack animation because catch his hand because what like the boss walks at you with its head pointed up at the ceiling until it gets close then it just goes and like starts trying to bite you and you can only hurt it by hitting it in the face and if you succeed that and don't piss yourself you get the lens of truth you go back to being adult link and you go into the shadow temple and then that is an entire temple dedicated to the war crimes that Hyrule committed. Like, literally. Jesus. Like, the Sheikah tribe, dedicated protectors of the Hyrule royal family, literally tortured people in this elaborate temple. You have all sorts of, like, every time you walk through a fake wall, a notification comes up on screen and it's like, this is the Shadow Temple the sacred ground which keeps the truths of Hyrule's bloody history. And you're like, 
What the fuck? Yeah, and there's there's like guillotines everywhere. There's invisible enemies. There's all sorts of like actually creepy shit in this game. And keep in mind that this is a game that's rated Peggy Seven, right? This is they they decided this is acceptable for seven year olds to play. If I played that when I was seven, I would have just cried on the spot. I played it when I was three. And I, I, I like to think that in your mind, like, I have to like the series or I'll be sent there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Please love me, Nintendo. <laughs> Years later. Um, that's fucked. And also, Link, I'll put it out there, bit of an idiot. Because what he should have done is gone back in time and just, like, put concrete into the hole. Well, no, that's the problem, is that because the monsters come out from underneath the world because it was trapped there, you go down there as an adult... And it's got concrete, it's concreted it off. You can't go in. But you need to go in to get the item. Ah, so the monster breaks through the concrete. Yeah. I would have put better it's, concrete. It's a, it's a ghost. Mm. And, or like a big net. And the final boss of the Shadow Catch Temple it. is Bongo Bongo, which is basically two severed hands and a severed, like, torso. With a red eye in remember the neck that? bit. I likes that. likes them a floating hand. They do, they really oh, yeah. do. What with that? I don't know. Discipline. Yeah, definitely. Simon, <laughs> this whole, the whole thing, that was scary as fuck, but by far the scariest thing oh, for you me. You yelling out the word discipline? Is yeah, that, a little bit. Is that you, you referred to them as Daddy Nintendo at one point. <laughs> that was the scariest <laughs> thing for me. <laughs> I've got to keep you on your toes, Kiel, so can't, can't let you get too comfortable. safe word of sale. <laughs> the re-deads that grab you was, it, was what it was like. Yeah. It's, it's the it's a screaming, but then it's all of a sudden when they go and they they're on you, and then oh. they're like Ugh. crunching you to death. That's 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 stupid. I see. I was playing Legend is that I was playing Ocarina of Time about the same time that I was playing Chamber of Secrets, so I was just getting everywhere, getting Woof. getting the full spook, getting the full spook on. Well, I, I like that that level became so iconic that I think it, it really steered the franchise. I mean. Breath of the Wild 2 looks dark as yeah. heck. Yeah. And that's why I'm so keen for it, because I'm an edgy son of a bitch. Um, <laughs> I'm really keen. I'm kind of glad they stepped away, stepped away from the whimsical side of it, because I kind of like it, but yeah. yeah. Keelan, what do you got? So, talking about this game before, one of my favorite games of all time is Half-Life 2. And... Um, one of i think the best levels because doesn't overstay its welcome it's unique and interesting and it also teaches you a new skill set it's raven home and it's so different to everything else in it so half-life 2 is a sci-fi shooter right you have puzzle elements as well like physics-based puzzles primarily a little bit of platforming type stuff that you have to do not too much but raven home is different so your character, Gordon Freeman, sort of goes to this resistance hideout, but then it's found out, it gets attacked, and you have to take an escape tunnel, uh, which was previously sealed off because of uh, risks, I guess, um, to a, a, a town called Ravenholm. So you, in your desperation, have to go to this town. And once you arrive there, you find out pretty soon it's infested by zombies and head crabs. It's absolutely awful it's um it's got this really oppressive atmosphere 
it's modeled after this like eastern european country town right but everything's on fire and it is dark as hell and everything is dilapidated there's this incredibly dramatic lighting and everything it's so atmospheric so different in uh compared to everything else that you had seen in the game up until that point and when you arrive there the only weapon that you have is the gravity gun so you have to use the environment to sort of scavenge weapons there's a lot of saw blades around there are some explosive barrels as well and pretty soon you realize the entire town is rigged with traps so you're going through this town trying to trigger the traps and get the zombies and head crabs to walk into the traps so that you can sort of safely traverse the environment pretty soon you find out that those traps are set by somebody it's a single lone survivor who's just out there existing in this town father grigory i think is his name he ends up giving you a shotgun and the way that you interact with this guy is so unusual you're never next to him you're always he's on a building across the way from you and he's yelling over at you to like have a conversation he throws the shotgun from upstairs down to you and you always see him in passing and um, you eventually just travel all the way through this town you um, uh, gain power as you go through so it stops being scary like maybe halfway through once you're sort of armed up and you've you've got a handle on how to use the gravity gun as well because you've just learned how to use it by getting to that point um and then it kind of becomes like um more like a um a walking dead type thing where you're killing the zombies with with great ease and i love that transition that you go through it's awesome it is so satisfying that that level what I like about the sound of it, and like look, I haven't played Half Life, it's, it's a massive sort of gaping hole in my video game acumen that I've never played Half Life. Um, but I like the idea that you have this gravity gun, super futu- super futuristic weapon, but it's making you use it as just an extension of your arm to pick up like razor blades and sword blades and stuff like that. Basically, you're using it as a melee weapon, just with a long reach, and it seems that, that sort of balances in. So you, do you have any ranged weapon at this point? Like like a gun? Yeah, you pick up a gun at a certain point. You through. pick up a gun, okay, yeah. cool. But you start off sort of with just with a gravity gun, so you're using just soul blades and shit that you find around. Yeah, you're just using planks. I like that. Doing all this sort of stuff. And that, that dude, that is scary as shit. So when I first started playing yeah. this, I'm like, oh God, these things are killing me. And there's this specific type of head crab. It's this little black head crab. And it makes this noise. It's so specific and it fucking terrifies me because it's poisonous so when it attacks you it reduces you all the way down to one health so if you take any more damage you're going to die but your health then slowly regenerates back up from that one health Um, and they are just very tricky to aim at and they're difficult to get so you're kind of panicking trying to aim a razor like one of the saw blades at it or one of the the explosive barrels or something and you just go through this really stressful moment until you get some kind of like firearm. And then all of a sudden you're like, all right, it's time for you fuckers to pay. And it's it's nice to have that contrast where you're scared, you're running away, you're panicking, and then you're powerful and you can do something about it. Yeah, and I love that. I've said it before. One of my favorite things games do is take away everything at one point. Yeah. Mm. I remember for, for some reason, whenever I bring this up, 
the example I have in my head is Destiny 2. At the start, stuff happens and all you have is your pistol. And you run through this area and you're seeing all this destruction. A lot of people, you know, a lot of different characters have died. And all you've got is this pistol and you're running through. And because of that one moment and you kind of see your character at their lowest, at their, like, pushed to their limits. They are very close to, to dying. You form a bond with them very quickly. Mm. I, I like seeing the character struggle like that. And I, I think it just makes you connect with the character so much more because it can turn you know an action shooter into a survival game. Even at a brief moment, it becomes a survival and normally a survival horror. Um, I, I, I love that. So this level sounds sick because it just it flips everything on its head. Crab. <laughs> um, and I also like the mystery behind it. I like the quirkiness in it. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's unsettling. I'm a big fan. Uh, like, I, I... Yeah, I like a similar sort of thing is like when video games make you feel powerless. And you make they make you struggle for a while with that powerless feeling. And then, you know, 60% of the way through that segment, they go, all right, here's the bone. Go on. And you're just yeah. like, ah, oh, yeah, that that's the vindication that I wanted. This is the good shit. And then you blast the, through everything. The power rebalance. Oh. Yeah. Especially mm. when that power rebalance comes through the barrel of a shotgun. Absolutely. Oh, dude, it's good. That's a, that's a taste time. That it's is. Good. Now, I have another one. I think we've all got another one. We'll go through this one quickly. Because this one's more of a concept for me. It's edge of the map insta-kills. So think about Grand Theft Auto Interesting. When you fly out, eventually your wings fall off your plane. You crash. If you're (laughs) in a boat, your engine will stall. If you're in the water, shark eats you. You can't go too far. There's no... There's no... Mountain range like Skyrim. Um, you just keep going and it, it tells you, you know, no more. In yeah. uh, Sea of Thieves, if you go outside the borders of the map, the sea turns red, the sky turns black, and every part of your boat that can leak does leak. Okay, That tells you me see. you haven't finished the story of Sea of Thieves. I have not. No, oh, buddy. I have not. Um, anyway, I won't spoil it. I never will because... It, Story and that game because of shit. That's actually quite fun. Never, You'll be surprised. Never. Anyway, carry on. Um, the ones that stuck out to me were Jack and Daxter, my favorite series game, you know, video game series. And I remember playing Jack and Daxter the first one. And Jack and Daxter is a very cute, colorful, fun platformer. So you don't expect there to be a shark that kills you in one bite. <laughs> if you swim out too far in the bay at the start, which you know you'll try and do, a lurker shark eats you. This big yellow shark with this massive fin, massive teeth, and it just gets you. Out of nowhere, it gets you. And the thing is, there are some collectible down the ocean. And you never quite know how far out you can go. Because I, I, I remember this very vividly, trying to collect things, or, or at least thinking that, hey, maybe there's some more precursor, or maybe there'll be like an island around this corner if I go around this little inlet. And you never know when it's going to get you. So when it does, it scares the living fuck out of you. It is just <laughs> a jump scare. Um, in Jack 2, you had the same thing. I mean, you saw the locust shark when you're in the wastelands, but in the, the city proper... If you go out too far, a Crimson Guard turret 
thing comes up and shoots you. The thing is, you can hear it coming. You kind of know when it's about to hit. And you have a little bit of time to get out of the water. So if you fall into the water, the mad panic you feel as you try, and almost every single time fail, to get out of that water before you just are one-shot killed. I, the awesome. tension that builds up there is just so much. And it uses just, I knew it was coming, but it was still a bit of like, oh, kind of moment, like a little jump scare for me. I loved it. <laughs> and I, I've always been fascinated by how developers work on, you know, things on the edge of the map. Um, I think one of my standout ones is in, in Witcher 3, where Geralt says, um, you've reached the world's edge. None but devils play past here. And I just loved the sort of implications of that, that yeah. you were fighting some of those evil things. You are badass yourself, but even you have your limit. You're like, I'm not going further because I will die. Yep. There are worse things than what I'm dealing with here. And I love the implication of the world building that created because you felt like a very small part of that world. Um, but when it comes to actually the ones that just like, so scared of you. can you guys think of any, any yourself? Oh, yeah, actually. I might be making this up, maybe not. But Lauren, correct me if I'm oh. wrong. I feel like it was in the midst of Pandaria expansion for WoW. There, mm. like on an island somewhere, there were like massive giant sharks in the water to keep people from like yes. getting too far. Um, I think that was um, that was that big island where like that Hulon was. Yeah, I think so. Where people went I to go and I do dailies that. and stuff. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Um. Like when I first started playing and I had recently reached the the level cap and you'd go out there, you're swimming in the water, you have to get some quest objectives and shit in the water or you're like farming some specific type of thing for something or the other. Um, You swim real slow and these sharks are so quick. They were absolutely terrifying. But by the end of like that phase of the expansion when I was super powerful my sister and I would like actively go out there to try and kill the shark <laughs> we didn't <laughs> but still we tried I love when you were young you were like oh this is just an enemy this like you didn't know that this was a mechanic of the game this was an actually integral part of the game that was served to function you thought this was another enemy it's like surely I can beat this because I remember powerful. trying to like beat the lurker shark trying to defeat yeah. the crimson tyrant yeah. like surely you can like you can mm. just keep going further um, I mean, not so much spooky. It's still a bit of a jump scare. I also really like in Battlefield. I can't, I can't remember which one it was. It could have been Battlefield 1. If you go too far out the, outside the map, you'll either get blown up by a landmine oh. or sniped mm. in the head. Oh. Hmm. And it was a real, like, mm. yeah. yeah, thematically appropriate, but still like a, oh, shit. See, I didn't like okay. um, in San Andreas. There was no limit to how far no. you could go out in the ocean. But when you were out so far and then you'd be like, shit, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm stuck. And then you'd, you'd dive under and it would be so deep and you'd be like, oh, dear God. Okay, this is something that's really weird, right? Playing fishing games, like, fish, like actual games like big bass fishing and all that stuff, I used to, <laughs> I used to really like them when I was younger. Uh, I used to hire like a whole bunch of different games when I was younger, just like varieties of games and stuff. So, sorry, a, a good night for you when you were younger is pro jockey and big bass fishing. 
Yes, correct. <laughs> Always Absolutely. wondered who played those games. Now we yeah. know. Me. Um, there were parts, you know, you go, you go fish. Whenever I would throw the lure into the into a deep part of the water and it would sink because the camera angle would like go to like the lure and it would show it sinking to the bottom of the ocean or bottom of the lake or whatever to, you know, find a fish. It basically like was the lure, lure cam. It kept sinking and like everything just kind of got like that extra shade darker and darker and darker and darker. And then all of a sudden it would be like almost pitch black. I would just freak out. Just watching it on the screen, I would just freak out. <laughs> I would be like, I hate this, I hate this, I hate this. Concept <laughs> is unsettling. That's why I keep looking at Subnautica. I'm like, hmm. That's the thing. Dude, I've that heard shit terrifies me. is mildly that's, terrifying. Not even mildly, like, very reasons, terrifying. Um, I find inside so unsettling is because so much of it takes place very, very Ooh, deep in the ocean, and you you feel it. You you're right. It's that color gradient you see drop yeah. down into nothingness, and it, it just it has an atmosphere on it because that has so many like so many like real world implications of just like the scope, the size of it, the the just terror of it. Mm. Oh, I watched one of those. Um, have you guys seen those? YouTube videos, I think it's by Metal Metal Ball Studios, friend of the shows. No, I can't. Where they do like size comparisons of things, so it's like an animated thing, and it'll be like, this block shows how much water's in this river. Oh wait, 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 is this one where it's like this is the deepest parts of the ocean, and it went down and down and down? Oh, it. Too much. When too much. When it when the Titanic should have sunk somewhere else. Yeah, it's too deep. (laughs) Well, even it went deeper. When the GIF, because I watched it in like GIF form on Reddit or whatever, when the GIF reset, I went, <gasps> like, I like I forgot to breathe when I was watching it because it just kept getting deeper and deeper. And Man, then when it reset fucked. and it's like, here's the surface. I was like, oh, my God. Okay. That uh, really <laughs> triggers the, the inherent thalassophobia in everybody. I feel like yeah, everybody has that fear. Like, that's, Yeah, absolutely. Um, Except for um, James Cameron. He Mad likes he man. likes to go into the deep into it. the deep sea into the abyss, if you will. He also thinks that Jesus is buried in his backyard, but that's 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 um, that's that's a story for another time, I think. That's story for another time. Jesse, I believe Into the Abyss was a uh, Titanic documentary movie. So if you managed to loop that together, that's well done. <laughs> well, I was trying to draw attention to it, but <laughs> fuck no. Okay, whatever. <laughs> You're, you're you're the iceberg to my joke, aren't you? I am. Okay. I'm uh, well, in that case, Lauren, you can go next. What 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 your, your second scary time? Look, this also is 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 I guess a, a uh, it's a theme. It's not necessarily a moment, but it's just the entirety of Cuphead because I cannot stand that art style. I can't stand Felix the Cat or Steamboat Mickey. Or anything that has the eyes that have that little cutout to show that they have like little sheen on it. I freaks me the hell out. I remember E3, right? When this game got announced, whatever year it was, I remember sitting there and just being like, <laughs> don't, I don't want, I expected it to be like an actual like spooky game. Like I didn't expect it to be like this beat em up. I expected it to be this full on like, this is going to be a creepy as fuck title. And like, look, I've been desensitized to it over the time because um, my partner back then had a giant, we don't like deal with the devil or whatever poster by our computer. So like it would always be there, but 
although every time there was a trailer that came out, every time there was anything to do with it, I was just like, that needs to stay away from me. Cause I, I, it, I will have nightmares. Just like that animation style was just, it was a no from so, me. An when you mentioned no. this is going to be your, your thing to discuss, I thought you were going to be like, Oh, when it starts getting really chaotic on the screen. Not just everything. And like just eyeballs are going everywhere. And it's like, no. it's just very unnatural. I didn't think it was the art style itself. The entirety of it. Well. Can't stand it. Do you bring up a interesting point? So like a bit of a personal anecdote in regards to this sort of classic, like 1930s car- like cartoon animation style. Um, my brother Gaz and I, uh, we went through this phase where we kept trying to find creepier versions of things like Steamboat Willie. And he found this one which just degrades over time. And it's just a simple walking animation loop with like a, you know, basic city in the background and some cheery music and the, the buildings bounce as the character walks. And yeah, it's cute. It goes on for about 15 minutes. And by the end of it, it's almost entirely unrecognisable because everything looks so degraded and like the music is distorted horribly. And mm. it's one of those things that you, if you watch it from start to finish, just the sense of like doom just slowly that creeps in on it. you. I think like, like a sense of doom what? is what, what I feel from it. Cursed. I need that's therapy, cursed. but like it that's is. another story altogether. Like, it but like this, it's <laughs> like the. It, I think that's actually really like that's perfect. Just like it's just a sense of doom. Yeah. I don't know what it is. I honestly think when I was younger, I think I watched Felix the Cat, and it it freaked me out. Then I remember like just his face. Just, just I don't know because there were certain triggers i had like i mentioned thomas the tank engine earlier there were certain triggers i had uh i can't listen to the theme song of the thomas tank engine without freaking out um it's it's a little bit sinister though like no i get you there's like a key like the certain like the key that it's in or something just freaks me out i used to have dreams where like it was on tv and i couldn't turn the tv off like and then like but then they became demonic as a kid my brother loved it slash loves it and i uh, I just so every time there's a there's a video of like the Skyrim mod where it's like at the start of Skyrim where he's gonna get this head chopped off and then you just kind of hear like a faint like doo, 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 doo. I'm just like I'm out I I'm I'm out so all those all those mods of Thomas Tank Engine what but sorry there was just so many animations when I was younger I remember just like frames that just freaked me out I also I can't remember the shows but just. Felix, fuck Felix. I also think I think there's there's like the Any other show. there's a weird part of it though, um, which part of, I don't know. I think part of it makes my brain just immediately go back to sort of like that wartime, uh, like you know World War Two or like during the height of the Cold War. That that sort of weird where they would have you know the public service announcements on what to do with an atomic bomb falls. And they would play that with that weird, same creepy animation for kids. And it would just be that sense of like, everything could just go in the, in literally a flash of light. And that's it. Hmm. And I think it's that, like that part of it is just ingrained into my brain. And also like world war two, like air raid sirens always give me chills. And I know that that's they're why meant- Siren Head is such a cool design for a monster. <laughs> I love the the, the idea picked- of Siren Head. Oh my so god, good. Siren Head! Ah, uh, yeah, Siren's rad. But that should have been it. That should have been my pick. 
No, Fuck I Harry don't like Potter. That. Siren head all the way. <laughs> don't want to talk about this You're anymore. Thank you. Um, Simon, two things. For one, why were you and Gaz being like, hey, let's traumatize ourselves today okay. and look through the annals of the internet to find the most Sorry. fucked up shit? Was there nothing else to do in England? Go outside and roll a, a hoop around with a stick or some shit. I don't fucking no, know. So, so, so I'm sure there were other things both, to do. Both right? Gaz and I do have this like weird um, fascination with things that are slightly creepy. Um uh, Gaz's that's all, latest. That's how we became friends. <laughs> Gaz's latest one is like the the fake um, games, like the the fake modified games. Um, ah, yes. Like Disaster Crow was the one that he showed me, um, and that it basically it's essentially just a creepy pasta. But people will make like almost playable game demos to sort of add to the story and heighten the story and it is proper creepy and yeah i don't know it's just that there is that sort of like oh i like that little bit of being slightly uncomfortable it's uncanny valley yeah because like i know what this medium is meant to be i know it well yes. and you're you're stepping slightly outside of what it's meant to be um kind of like those those are, when you mentioned the whole like uh, Cold War era videos, I, I know exactly what you're yeah. talking about because it's like this is meant to be friendly and happy, but the mm. implication behind it's like, well, little Jimmy, it looks like Russia's got the bomb, but what do I do at school? Hide underneath your desk. Yeah, duck and cover. Kiss you. Ask goodbye. And um, pray. Yeah. Mm. Um, anyway, no, just like the as soon as we saw it, I. I we used to do like a game of the year, um, big old argument set. We'd all bring a game to the table and I think it won best animation for us that year and I was fight no, best art style, sorry, sorry, and I was just like fighting tooth and nail to get it <laughs> off the list so I didn't have to deal with it anymore. <laughs> yeah. No, it just, it just, the whole, the whole thing. And yeah, like what you're right, when it does get chaotic, like that doesn't help. Well, <laughs> like tell you. Um, pre-show mm. i'm like it, it gets very much uh to that same demonic chaos that is the tunnel scene from willy wonka mm. yeah which is mm. so cool and I, i've heard i've heard a story i don't know i don't i don't want to be correct on this i want to believe this for the rest of my time rest of my years um that uh gene wilder didn't tell the kids that he was gonna be doing that he didn't tell anyone. So they're he was the, the only terror. one. Yeah. yeah, sorry, well everyone, because I remember there's one one of the dads is literally like putting the child in front of him to protect himself, yeah. like a real hero. <laughs> um they are genuinely unsettled in that scene. Cause mm. that speech is terrifying. Just the, oh, oh, it's so good. Such good acting that. Anyway, let's move on. Simon. What's your second one? Uh, so my second one. Honestly, I've actually Totally fucking forgotten. It's just left my mind now because all I can think about is those creepy uh, 1930s cartoons. What I've got in my head right now is a Thomas the Tank Engine um, song and I'm preventing myself from humming it for you, Lauren. <laughs> uh, no, that's, I won't do it. That's right. I've uh, remembered. Um, it is... So there's a fun little PS1 game called Rugrats, The Search for Reptar. And it is as fun and as silly and as charming as you'd expect a PS1 Rugrats game to be. All right? It uh, is genuinely like one of my favourite PS1 games that I remember playing as a kid. But there was one level that always creeped me out. And there's 
plenty of people that agree with me about this one on the internet, thankfully, so I feel very vindicated. And that is the Shadow Monsters one. So basically, the 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 premise is Tommy's going going to bed, and his mum's like, "Don't worry, we'll leave the nightlight on for you." And then his dad is like, "Yeah, so that way the shadow monsters can't get you. Sleep well, buddy." And then Tommy's mum is like, "Jew, don't. You're going to give him nightmares." <laughs> sure enough, I just want. I wanted that scene to be extra realistic, where she just gives him that look, and then you hear them fighting outside the yeah. door. It's like. The fuck was that? What would you talk to our son? <laughs> I, I swear to God, you sound like your mother again. That would so good. So it then basically the cutscene then continues on with um uh, Stu in the basement trying to create a toy robot and he accidentally trips the power to the house. So all of the power goes out. And of course, Tommy being you know a little little baby, he thinks, oh, all of the lights run away and it's hiding in the fridge. So he, he thinks you know what i'm gonna go down to the fridge and i'm gonna let the light back out from the fridge and on your way you've you have only a torch with a pathetic amount of battery all right and as you walk down as you walk through the household there are ghosts shadow monsters they're, they're just like shitty pngs of like a crappy halloween ghost but still, it's enough to creep you out because they're around every fucking corner. They're always waiting and they make these weird little noises and you can get rid of them by turning your torch on and shining it at them. But again, keep in mind, your torch only has a very little amount of battery and if you get hit by a, by a ghost, it hurts and you do take damage. So you've got to maintain risk and reward. Oh, do I keep the torch on while I go around this next corner or do I just like flick it on and hope for the best? And hopefully, uh, you know, it'll be in my line of sight and I can get rid of the ghost. And, yeah, it's weirdly... Cre- five Nights at Tommy's. Yeah, it's it's weirdly creepy. For for a PS1 Rugrats game, it was actually mildly creepy. And I used to try and avoid playing that level. There was another one. I like how you cl- uh, clarified that with a PS1 Rugrats game. Like, okay, the Burger King game came out on PS5, uh, you, I expect full murder. Oh my god, if a Rugrats game <laughs> came out on PS5, console? no, yeah, put fucking violence. ray tracing on that bad boy, let's do it. Alright? <laughs> <laughs> Keep the same graphics as the PS1 version, I don't give a shit, but give me that ray tracing. PT, but you're crawling. Yeah. <laughs> um, there was also another really creepy one, which I just remembered, which was uh, the kids got trapped in a toy store at night. And some of the toys would come to life and chase you around. And it was just, again, weirdly creepy. Like, there were certain points where it would essentially be a jump scare. Like, you'd walk around a corner and you're like, oh, yeah, cool, there's a thing I need to collect here. And you sort of, like, climb up the stairs. And as you're halfway up the stairs, a little fake robot thing would, like, drop from on top of, like, from the shelf above you. And then, like, pop out of the packaging and start chasing after you. And you're like, Jesus Fucking Christ. <laughs> the no from me. Quick question for you guys. What would you be more scared of? A ghost or a talking baby? Talking baby. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I agree. Yeah. If I saw a talking baby, I'll I'll punt it. Cause I don't want I don't I don't want to bring it to the table. I can make some money for talking baby. I reckon that's that's, that's, that's true. A good one. <laughs> I mean, look. It, yeah, but then I'm thinking of the I'm thinking of the dancing baby from Ally McBeal. Remember the first yes. sort of. <laughs> The first sort of gif ever made. Oh, uh, oh, I'm thinking about that's creepy animation. That is creepy Terrifying. animation. Though. Yeah. Oh, 
could you imagine being like, oh, like, you know, go to school and like, oh, you know, what does your dad do for a living? It's like, oh, he's an animator. It's like, oh, what did he make? He's like, <sighs> the dancing baby from Alan McBeal. <laughs> Even your teachers will pick on you. You're oh, like, your family shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, 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 everything we're talking about is, is, is just compiling in my head. Like when you mentioned the whole creepy toy store, I, I have, there's a particularly unsettling frame of the Simpsons when Bart's sleeping in the clown bed. Oh god! And he has a dream of it, and the clown gets really big. And it's like wrap, like wrapping around him, and it's yeah. really unsettling. I'm getting that mixed with the Thomas Tank Engine soundtrack with Gene Wilder talking over it. Ugh, I don't like any of this. This is your own creepy bastard. This, Keelan, bring us home. I feel disgusting right now after all of that compiling that of all together. <laughs> my last, my last story is about a game called Max Payne. From my good friends at Remedy, friend of the show. My God, just realized how heavy we're in this episode. Fuck. Yeah, oh, yeah. It is, it's heavy. I'm like friend of the show. Max Payne, Sam Lake, same person, really. Um, especially in the first one. Um, Sorry. Yeah, literally. <laughs> did you guys see that um, the Alan Wake post of the video? Oh, he's in the lake. Well, he's, he's in a lake. <laughs> no, but they he's got literally just like wading thermos. in the water. <laughs> he pulls out and he has a thermos and he's drinking coffee out of it, like it, like while trying not to drown. Oh god! Very All good. right, I'm going to look that up. That sounds great. A, gr- a good oh, palate cleanser. I yeah, recommend yeah, yeah. No, no, else else yes. Yeah. <laughs> also, look that up. Um, so, Max Payne is a game about a man who has lost his family, his little infant child. He's dead. His wife, dead. A neo-noir thriller. He's a detective and he's out to find the people who gone, done, done it. Is that how you say it? I don't know. <laughs> you really ruined that like dramatic movie trailer. Max Payne, movie. This, man. This is why I'm not hired to do voiceovers, Jesse. Anyway, <laughs> um, in one scene in Max Payne 1, Max is drugged by another character. And he sort of passes out and has this sort of psychedelic um, hallucination where he sort of starts off running through endless dark corridors, but everything has like a weird tinge to it. It just seems otherworldly and it's horrifying. There's weird crying kind of in the background as well as you're doing that and Eventually, you reach the end of one of these corridors and you realize he's in his home, his family home, on the day that the murders happened. And he's he's reliving this. So you go and you look through the house, you keep moving, and eventually you go into this other room and it is pitch black. And the only thing to guide you to where you need to go is a trail of blood. You follow this trail of blood. You have to follow it exactly. Otherwise, you fall into the abyss. You have to follow it exactly. And once you get to the end of it, you come into, I think it's a daughter, his daughter's room. And you peer into the cot and there are blood stains. And it is just like, it's fucked. Like reliving that moment for him in this like kind of hallucination. It, it it was scary for me when I've played that as a twelve year old. You know, yeah, I bet. Probably was it painful. Was it max pain? Oh, yeah. Thanks, Jesse. But by far the most painful thing about it was 
controlling Max Payne in that <laughs> blood labyrinth because you had to be so precise with where you were. You also had to jump. And because he was hallucinating, his jump was like big and floaty and he's like kind of floating around oh and you have to be so precise and shit. It's hard. It was awful. It was actually, it, it was a bad section of the game. It is so atmospheric and moody, but it was so bad. I'll put it out there. I'm just going to do a blanket statement and you're, you guys are trying to poke holes in the argument. To that, I already say, sh- shut the fuck up. There are no good dream sequences in games. Because mm. a dream sequence or a hallucination, whatever, is when they're trying to make the game different. And it's like, when you put in all this effort to make the game one way, this part that you're making different, you can't put as much effort into it. So therefore, by sort of contrast the rest of the game, you haven't ever put as much effort. And it's sort of half-baked. I don't know. There's this part where you get to... There's this part where you get to eat pills in Far Cry 3 and then you wake up on a dance floor and you're doing first-person robot. <laughs> That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. <laughs> I, um, I just finished of- Wolfenstein 2 and there mm. is a dream sequence near the end of the game which has lots of narrative consequence, a lot of character development. It, it is integral and it is good. Now... I'd like to refer back to my previous comments. I'll shut the fuck up. <laughs> what, the entirety <laughs> of the Legend there, there of Zelda? Of shut this down. <laughs> blanket uh, statement that I'm saying, it's 11 p.m., I'm, I'm full of rum, okay? Yeah. Legend of Zelda Link's Awakening Let me make is blanket technically statement without a dreamscape. Without holes in it. Plot twist, if you couldn't tell from the fact... Spoilers. From the fact that the game is called Link's Awakening... Yeah. <laughs> I can't read, Simon. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I thought it was links are wanking. <laughs> and we've come full circle. Oh, circled. Wonderful. Coming full circle is a bit of a trick, okay? You can really give it a bit of a flick. <laughs> now, if you want to know the, the, the origins of that joke, actually, that wasn't even the that wasn't even in the pre-show, luckily. Yeah. Oh, oh Christ. If you want to see what Almighty. we talked about in the pre-show, you can always uh, check us out at twitch.tv forward slash story mode AUS. We stream podcasts and we play and we stream video games. What a seamless transition into the outro here. I'm pretty good. I'm pretty proud of myself. <laughs> um, you can also catch us on Facebook. Sorry, Meta. <laughs> Twitter and Instagram at story mode, uh, story mode AUS. Call um, Facebook. Yeah, look, I just wanted to, to, to bring up that whole fuckery that's happening i don't know what's happening there. anyway if you want to hear more of our fuckery we are on spotify and itunes just search for story mode and you'll find all of our shows while you're there also search for fan critical they help us keep the the proverbial lights on um and they have a whole new range of brilliant shows so make sure you catch them as well and of course if you want to support the show with a couple of couple of buccarinos Jump on to Patreon, search a fan critical, and you'll get access to a bunch of bonus goodies. But with that, also, 87 episodes, and I, for the first time I could do the outro without looking at my notes. Hey. That's called Persistence Kids. Well Stay in school. Done. Lawn, Sai, Keelan. Thanks for joining in. Thanks, everyone. Thanks. Just- on this not quite Halloween, Halloween spooktacular. Sorry, Thanks for listening. Hope you all had fun. Go play games. Stay safe. 
love each other, give Halloween candy out to everyone you know, even when it's not Halloween. I have leftover Halloween chocolates. It's gold. And we'll catch you next time. Bye. Bye. Blah, blah, blah. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Mwah. Blah, 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 blah.